Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Saw online this week. Um, I told you that I told you that the uh, the second um, Sea Feel Act book is out. And if you missed the first go around, this is our second ninety week guide that we walk people through Scripture. Okay, the first one we did was um, the Gospel of, of John and then some other scriptures. This one is going to be the Gospel of Luke, and we'll walk you through that and some other scriptures, but it's something for every day for you to um, engage with the text, this, the, the, the scriptures that God has given us to connect with him, to learn about him. We believe transformation happens as we um, jump into scripture, and, and, and the focus that we have here is how do I read scripture in light of becoming more like Jesus every day? How do I see, feel, act more like him every day? We've done this series about it. If you've missed that, you can always go back. But today as you leave, you can grab one. If you're watching online, you can come by the office or they'll be here next week. We made a few little changes that we hope are even more useful to you. But this is available and just um, we hope you enjoy it. Have you ever prepared for something in life? Have you ever put time in creating something or planning for something, but then you get to the moment when it's supposed to happen and you begin to wonder, did I do the right thing? It could be like a party that you plan maybe, or, or it's a first day at a job, or, 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 or um, just an event in general. It could be an outfit, I don't care. You've prepared, and you're like, this is what I'm going to do, but you get to the moment and you go... I'm not sure that's right. Um, if you're part of One Hope, you know that um, how I want to lead is very open-handed with you. I, I want to kind of, um, we're in this together, right? Well, I want to tell you this week was a, was a weird week for me. Because a lot of um, what goes on behind the scenes, you never know. There's a lot that goes into kind of this church as a whole. But obviously one of the things that you see mostly of is every week I come up and I, I share in front of you. I, I share from my heart. I hope it's, it's inspiring and forming and just it points you to Jesus every week. There are some weeks when I come up here and I'm ready to go. Like I'm just like, I know what I'm going to say. And I can't wait to say it to you. You know, I've been prayerful about it all week, and I just, the planning is there. I'm like, man, I can't wait to tell them this. Some weeks are that way. Other weeks, other weeks are a little like, I, I think I'm good, but I'm, a, I mean, I'll just be honest. I'm sometimes a little in my head, and I'm like, do I know what I'm about to say? Like, you know, just, you can imagine, right? There's some weeks, very few, or maybe just a couple, where I'm like, I'm not sure if this is the message. This is one of those weeks. Um, it was one of those weeks where I just felt unresolved all week long. That feeling inside where it's just like, what? why am I not totally connecting with this idea? And I'll just tell you, I hate speaking something that I haven't connected to or God hasn't already worked out in me. I tell you all the time, right? Like, you're lucky. You don't have to wrestle with this all week long and God basically tell you everything that's wrong. And Myself, right? Like you get 30 minutes. I had all week, yeah? But, but there's, there's something this week that just didn't feel right. On Friday um, was prom for my kids 
Friday night um, it was Ellie's senior prom and Jackson's junior prom and you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into prom right a lot of preparations and whatnot it was about you know dinner time five-ish whatever and and Ellie had gotten ready and she, I mean that's my girl so beautiful it's the last time I won't talk about this let's move on picturing her all the things right okay but we go with her her date picks her up and and i give him that dirty look you know what i'm saying like i'm on you bro you know what i'm saying okay takes her well we go meet and it's the pictures and the event before it's all the things it's just a thing all so many people and it's chaotic and every time i turn around i'm like i'm in somebody's picture you know it's like I'm like spinning here, like don't get me. It was the weirdest thing. There's some people, but did that and it was great. And then time for Ellie to go get um, dinner, and so we leave her and we go where Jackson's pictures are. And this in the group, it's just him and his date and in front of the uh, the house where they went, and and um, he looks handsome too in his tux. And I'm like, my boy, he still doesn't want to be wearing a tux in this moment, you know? Like we take the pictures and they're going to dinner as well, and they're off and running, and, and just left with Amber and I. We're having a lot more just Amber and I moments right now. Like, you know, the kids are getting older. Amber and I, we're hanging out a lot. Hope she likes me. <laughs> but we're like, what do we do um, for the rest of the night? And we decided before we made our way home, we're going to stop here at the church because the young adults were having a worship night. And we love that group. We love these people. We believe in this ministry. We think everybody, remember, it's not a college ministry. It's like, it's like 18 to early 30, 35. And it's like these young adults, and we're just like, we want to be with them. And so we, we go to their worship night in the student center. They had already started. We walk in, and I kind of go to the back of the room. And I'm just watching, and they're having, in, in this part, they're having prayer moments together, and there's communion that's happening, and I'm just taking it in. I'm, I'm enjoying. And then they transition to worship. And I'll be honest, I kind of felt like a spectator a little bit, because, like, it's their event. It's not about me. I'm just there to support and pray for it. It's, that's a, and I'm watching. And I can't describe into to words what I experienced. I asked Calicus, the leader of it, if I could share just a picture of this moment because just to give you a feel for what this night was. You've got these young people just pouring themselves out. Like, y'all, it's not like, a, hey, we got a few songs, we're done, we're speaking, and we're out for the day, and we're on with it. Like, this is like, they are just giving everything they've got to it. I'm telling you adults, you should be begging Calicus to let you go to their events, okay? And I'm, I'm in this moment, and I'm getting kind of emotional. Because of just what is going on here, and he's getting close to the end, and I see Calicus look at me, and I'm like, don't do it, bro. Don't you do it. He goes, Pastor Scott, will you come and pray for us as we leave? And I'm like... Come on, man. Like, you know, once again, if you're new to one hope, like Pastor Scott can lead with some emotions sometimes. You know, like kind of wear it on my sleeve. You know, I'm, I'm embarrassed by it, but I can't stop it. So it's a whole thing. But I get up there and I'm just, I, I have this moment of just emotion. I don't even know totally what I said, but I described to them what the night had been about the prom and kids going. And, but I said, um, it's almost like I came to church and I'm seeing... My church kids, and I know they're too old for that, I get it, but I kind of felt old for a moment in that room. Like, I'm not the young guy anymore. I'm looking at them and going, 
I'm so proud of how they're worshiping. I'm so proud. I mean, this was not a short amount of time. I don't know if they planned this, but we're like two hours in at this point of them worshiping. They're tired. I'm tired, but they're still going. You know, like, I'm already looking, going to pat my bedtime, but I'm here, you know, like, I told them how proud I was, and I just, I said to them in this moment, I said, I think you just changed my message. Something happened on Friday night in their event, in their worshiping, that this unresolvedness inside of me all of a sudden became clear of where I was missing, what, what, what I needed to change. And so I go home that night, and I'm prayerful about it, and, I'm, and I wake up the next morning, we've got the men's event here, and I text Bradley. I go, hey, you know the stuff I sent you for the screen stuff? Have you put it in the computer? He's like, yes. I said, okay, take it all out except the scripture. That never makes anybody feel safe, right? <laughs> I'm like, trust me, bro, we're good, all right? I actually don't, I don't know. I just was like, I know this isn't it, but I know there's something else. And so this morning, I'm going to ask for a couple things from you. One is, be people, when you feel like something isn't right and the Holy Spirit speaks, always be yes, people. Amen. Two... I'm going to ask for grace because I don't know how this is going to be. I've got some notes going on in here, but I don't know totally where we're going, but I feel good about where we're going. It's going to at least be from my heart. But let me tell you, go back to Friday night, what was so amazing about that is I'm watching them worship. All of a sudden, the scripture from this morning pops on my head. and The scripture for this morning, I actually felt a little like, should I or shouldn't I? Because it's a very common scripture. It's a very familiar story. And sometimes I wonder, does familiarity lead to less effectiveness? I'm not sure. And I'm like, should I preach it or not? But I felt like I was supposed to. And I'm staying in the back going, yes, I'm supposed to. It's just supposed to be different. Because where I want to go this morning is Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3 starts with a conversation. No, not there yet. Daniel chapter 3 starts with King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar is a powerful person, and he does what powerful people do, is he, 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 he makes sure people know of his power and his authority. And what he does is he decides that he's going to build a 90-foot-tall, 9-foot-wide golden image. And he builds this image, and he brings all the influential people in. He brings all the, the leaders in, and he says to them, Hey, when you hear the music, I want you to make sure that people bow down to this image. I want them to worship it. When you hear the trumpets, and you hear the harps, and you hear the flutes, all the things, I want you to make sure they bow down and remember who's king. Well, the music plays. If you know this story, the music plays. And people bow down. Except there's three guys. You've got the famous Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they don't bow down. People find out about it, and they bring the message to the king. And the king, like, these guys won't bow down, and he gets angry, right? And he's like, hey, bring them to me. I want to read to you their response, these people. That are real, it happened before us. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. 
So Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. His attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Now stop there. Stop here in the story. It may be a different time. It may be a different place and and somewhat different circumstances, but... We need to remember that it may not be a furnace as ramifications for our lives, but every day people, ideas, and culture are trying to get us to bow down to them in worship. And I know you know what I mean, right? There are things that are all fighting for us to prioritize. They're fighting for us to prioritize us in, in their lives. They're trying to get our attention. They're trying to get our likes. They're trying to get our loyalty. They're trying to get our money. They're trying to get our votes. They're trying to get our life. There are things that are consistently fighting for us. We've got a social media world where they want us to wake up in the morning and go to bed at night worshiping the, this fake world that wants us to connect to and we get addicted and when we get addicted then you can't let go and they're just like they keep bringing things and bringing things and bringing things to make sure you attach yourself to it and we bow down to this world in a way we worship it. We've got our political world, and I know you know this. We've got a political world and political people who want authority. They want power, and so they bring ideas. They bring their truths. They bring things that they can promise us if we'll just give them our votes, if we just give them our, their attention, if we just give our loyalty. And so they're asking us, please bow down to us. We've got sports and sports activities and hobbies where it's like, hey, this is needed in our world and you need to give your time, you need to give your money, you need to give your life, that it needs to dominate. We know the sports world and how it captures us from little to old that it becomes a thing that we bow down and worship to we've got celebrities and we've got influencers who are like hey look at me this is what you should look like this is what you should act like this is what you should believe this is what you should give your time to this is what you should give yourself to be like me and in ways they're asking us to bow down to them and at the end of the day we have a decision to make Every day we're sitting in this place where we have a decision to make. Who or what are we going to bow down to with our life? This is the dilemma of the story. 
You know this scene, it is different than today. It's not 2023, but it is our scene that we have this dilemma in life. And as we've been talking about off the fence series, that there's two ways to live. There are choices in life, decisions that need to be made. And in the story, there are two sides to the fence. And on one side of the fence, there's a way to worship. On one side of the fence, this worship is based on, I'll say, convenience. On one side of the fence, there's this life of worship that is built around what is easy, what is comfortable, what is the most satisfying for me in this moment, what makes me feel fulfilled in just this little moment. We see this play out in the lives of the people and the king, right? The king says, bow down to this golden image. So they bow down. Why? Because it's convenient. It's needed. I don't want to push back. I don't want to push back against culture. I don't want to push back. And maybe I have ramifications. I don't want to push back. So I bow down. This is the story of this nation, of this king. And we look at them, we go, why do they do this? You may look at them and go, why do they do this? But the problem is, isn't this the seat we sit in in life sometimes? And, and, and on this side of the fence, what we, the trap we can fall into is what matters most, what is at the center of this worship, is two simple letters, M-E, it's me. On the side of the fence is there's a worship that we don't sometimes even realize it, but we're worshiping is me at the center. This is what I mean, my thoughts, my feelings, my fears, my goals, the things that I want to come out of this one life that I have. We, we, we decide on this side, I'm going to do what I need to do to accomplish the things that I want to accomplish in life. And so we worship me. Because at the end of the day, the decisions we make are the best for me. They're for me. I want to tell you this is a dangerous place. It's a dangerous place, and even more dangerous because we don't see the danger in it. We miss the danger of this place. And the danger of this is, I don't know if this is a story about you, but it's a story about me, is that I cannot be trusted in life as much as I think I can. I'm not as wise, and I'm not as level-headed as I think I am. Maybe you're better than me. I don't know about you, but I can potentially move from idea to idea to thought to thought based on scenario. Based on circumstances, based on ramifications of those decisions. I can be convinced of a lot of things because I'm not cons as consistent as I like to think. I can chase feelings, I can chase experiences, I can chase the things that in a moment, man, they feel so right. And it's not because I'm a bad person, I don't think I'm a bad person. And I think of most people, I don't think it's because you're a bad person. I think it's because there's a lot of temptations around us, and I am vulnerable to temptations of life. 
And when me is at the center of my decisions, I end up bowing down to things I never thought I would bow down to. I can let things run my life that I never thought I would. I worship things in life that I say, I don't worship that, but look at my decisions. And my decisions lead to so much emptiness. My decisions can lead so much a lack of contentment. My decisions can lead me to a place that's frustrating. And this feels like where I'm running and running. I don't know if you've been in this place. I'm running hard. I'm running. And it feels like I can't get anywhere. But I keep running. get to a place where I'm doing my best I'm doing my best but I never feel content where I am even the good things that happen to me are not good enough because I want more they don't really satisfy because a life where we worship everything that is conveniently me centered is never enough but I can be those people in the story until until I ask the question is there another way or for this conversation we've been having for a few weeks is there another side of the fence and the beautiful thing of this story is that through three guys we see there is another side through three guys we see another blueprint of a better way to live they show us that life doesn't have to be one big worship of convenience, but you can worship, I'll use the word because I'm a pastor and I'll use another C, that not a convenience, but can be out of conviction. The other way is not convenience, but conviction. And all conviction is, is a set of beliefs, a set of values that are bigger than me. A set of beliefs or values that is anchored into something that is not Scott. I can worship that way. And I'm thinking about this word anchored, and I'm, and, I, and, and I'm looking, and most time we think of anchored, what do we think? What kind of anchors? Ships, right? But I, think, I was thinking about this in a way that's not that anchor, but a different one. You ever rock climb before? I haven't, I'll be honest. <laughs> I've seen pictures, though, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I told you I leave open, I lead open-handed, whatever. But you get up, and in order to work, most of the time we work your way up is, is outside the rocks. There, there are these anchors in the rocks that they've drilled into, and what you carry with yourself is what they call a carabiner, okay? And as you work your way up, what do you do to make yourself safe, to make yourself stable, to make yourself so you can progressively go up? You attach the carabiner that is attached to you to the anchor, if you keep it attached to yourself, when you slip, when a mistake happens, what happens? You fall. But when you take this and you anchor it to something bigger, then when things happen, you are attached to something greater than you. This is where worship has to be. There's another way. There's a better way. It's when we attach our worship to something that's not me. We attach something that we can rely on. We attach something that is stronger than us. It's something that is established. Something that says, this is about you, God. This isn't about me. I'm attaching myself to Jesus. I'm attaching myself to convictions, beliefs, set of values that don't have me at the center. 
when this happens, life changes because I think something, when you're worshiping that way, something goes on inside of us that's built, that's developed, that doesn't happen when you are only attached and worshiping the convenient side of me-centered worship, and that's a depth of character. Who we become changes. When, we're, when we have a value and we have beliefs that are, are bigger than me, when I'm attached or anchored to those things, then all of a sudden something changes in me where my character, who I am, is developed a completely different person. And then what I do in life is I do what's good versus just what feels good. I do what's right. And of who I am. When I'm anchored to something, when I'm worshiping something that's not me, something changes in me. See, having conviction in life based on something greater than me builds a person who lives life for different reasons than satisfying myself. It changes the game. Character ends up being the person I am not just in words, but displayed every day. And this is important because when conviction builds our character, then our character leads to a different life of commitments. We make decisions every day about where we're going to put our, our time, our family, our money, Ourselves. We make decisions every day. What is the most important thing for me today? And I see in these guys in this story. I see where their commitment led them. But they didn't make a random commitment to God in the midst of this potential fire experience. They had convictions that were already greater before the moment, which led to a character before the moment, so the, con the commitments just played out from there. The decision was already made. And in this moment, in the story, it may not seem awesome. It may not seem great because where did we leave the story? They've just been thrown into a fire. And when we play out the commitments that we know we should, we live the life we should in the moment, it's like, this isn't too awesome. Because in me, I want that. Life would have been a lot easier if they just would have bowed and got it over with and just went on with life. But so I'm not bowing. Yes. It put them in a fire. But it's okay because the story didn't end there. And we go to verse 25. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty... He said, look, I see four men walking around the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. And Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. 
So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the royal advisors crowded around them, and they saw the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor the hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent an angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. You knew the end of the story, right? If you didn't, I'm glad I read it. But many of you have grown up and you know the end of this story. You know that God came through. You know to celebrate what happened. But I think sometimes we get to the what God did before we talked about the why he did it. I believe that God was able to perform this miracle because of the moments that happened before the moments that I described. I think sometimes in life we want the miracle of God without living the life that led to the miracle. Another way to say that is we want the byproduct of the power of God without the accountability of living the life of conviction and character and commitment to God. We want the story without living the life. But what if their life decisions led to an opening of God doing more than they could ever ask or imagine or even dream up? What if the life led to that? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't, I'm not saying they deserved it because of the life they lived. God does stuff way more to us than we ever deserve. This is not about deserving or undeserving, okay? I'm not going to preach a you do this, this equals this. Like, that's not the message here. What I'm saying is... What if we evaluate life and we develop a God-centered life of worship based on a higher set of beliefs, a higher set of value, that we anchor ourselves to Him at the center and we watch the unique and powerful things that come out of a life that is lived like that, that, that what comes out of worship that's lived like that. And what if God wants to move in ways that we see in the Bible, but who we say we are and what we believe does not always match up what comes out of it. Proverbs says this. Proverbs 11. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. A life of worship that has me at the center of it leads to uncontentment. It leads to frustration. It leads to turmoil. I say it leads to chaos inside. And it can often leave a trail of chaos around me. But a life of worship that is lived like we see these three guys do. That, that a life of worship that's like, God, I'm anchored to you, not anchored to myself. I'll put you at the center of my world. I'm on this side of the fence, leads to freedom. The decision that they made was made before the moment.
They were free to live in the decision and the potential consequences. I don't see them wrestling with it because when you live a anchored, God-centered life, you don't sway with the wind, you sway with the Spirit. You don't move with the myself and how I feel today. You don't move with what somebody else did to me yesterday. You don't move by circumstances, you move by the Spirit, not by the self. This is what freedom looks like. We look at freedom as we get to do what we want. But the real freedom that God wants to give us is we get to do what he has for us, which always leads to the best. We're all worshiping someone and something in life. We're all worshiping someone and something. But what sets the course for your worship? What sets the course for your values and beliefs? What are you anchored to in life today? And does your character line up with your convictions? How about your commitments? Or your life habits? So it's super personal. Are your life habits, life decisions, lining up to who you say you are? Who you say you worship? We're all bowing down in life. But who or what gets our worship. I'm standing there on Friday night. I'm seeing these people in our church who decide on a Friday night I'm just going to let it all go and I'm going to worship God because this is the greatest thing I can do. I see this and I'm inspired because you know what I was going to do on Friday night if that wasn't going on? Not that. I was going to go home. And God just speaks to me and he's like, Scott, may this be life. And I begin to pray that our church the move from the room on that side of the building can, can, can gravitate, can move to this room that we worship God front and center in this place. But then as we leave, the worship doesn't stay in this place and we continue to live a life of worship centered around God, not centered around me and the convenience that I truly underneath may desire. so we have decisions to make what side of the fence are we going to live on what side of the fence are we going to choose and you make it one decision at a time and my prayer for us is that our convictions in life are anchored to God who is worthy to be anchored to who is strong and mighty who is immovable, who never stops loving us, 
never stops working in us, is always for us, that we can attach ourselves to Him, which leads to me changing. This is why I want you to be in Scripture every day in this idea of see, feel, act, because we get to be in Scripture and we are tying ourselves to Him and He changes us in the likeness of Jesus. And then how we live out every day, the decisions made, you are the priority. The life you have for me is how I'm going to live out. And in the middle of you goes, I take away my fun. Like, come on. Like, God's for you. He's got more for you, more for your family, more for your kids, more for your life, man. He wants more for you than you want for yourself. So come attach yourself to him and then begin to live this out and see what's on the other side of it. And the other side of it, I think, is the miraculous. And I think on the other side of it, God is seen and he is glorified and people see the greatness of who he is because you have decided this is the person I am because I am his first and this world's second or never, whatever. It changes everything. So what I'm going to ask from you today is to evaluate how your commitments, how's your worship of God? What are you worshiping the most? And as we end in worship today, if there is something maybe for you, it's to give your life to Jesus and say, I will stop worshiping myself and I'll worship you completely. And this may be for a first time or the 10th time. I don't think he cares. I just think he wants us to come back to him and say, I'll put you at the center of my worship and everything else can flow out of that. So if you, we sing this song, sing with all the praise. If there's something you've got to bring, you know we're a church of altars at the end. It may have nothing to do with my message, and you can come up and bring something to the altar, but what we do with these altars is we bring something as an act of worship, and we leave it with him, and then we go in his grace. And so, Heavenly Father, um, it's always about you, and I'm just asking your Holy Spirit to work in our lives individually because you have more for us, but we've got to put you at the center and not ourselves, not the, not the life that we're trying to go for. It, it, we're not going to worship me, God. We want to worship you. And may that have no boundaries, and may we find the freedom we need as we live life because we've already made the decision. It's all about you. So whatever I haven't said today, you need to say, God, I ask you to say it and penetrate our hearts where so much work is done. We love you. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.